0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: And the Oscar goes and to. The Oscar goes and the Oscar to... goes to. And the Oscar goes
2: to. My only object in
1: being here is to try and get at the truth. Where shall I go? What shall
2: I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender.
0: Fasten your... I could have been
1: somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I
0: done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. All real, Mary. Love is... is love. Too weak a word. I love you. you I loathe you. Why I, I love you. you. I did as instructed.
3: Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong.
0: Welcome to the next best picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to the Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 104 of the next best picture podcast. I'm your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me today, I have Will Mavedy. Hey, everybody. Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Ryan C. Showers. Hi, everyone. And Katie Schaefer. Hello. So, everyone, we're a week and a half removed from the Oscars announcing, or the Academy rather, announcing news about the Oscars pertaining to some changes. You guys might have heard about them. I don't know. You were all here for that episode. Oh, no, Will, actually, you weren't here for last week's episode. So, this is your chance to voice all of your opinions, actually, on... (sighs) everything that's been going on the last week and a half and we're going to continue our conversation about that this week here on the show we also have trailers to discuss we have the polls and a few other little tidbits as well we're also going to answer some fan questions from last week we didn't get a chance to get to so in a way we should you know kind of consider this to be almost like part two of last week's conversation pertaining to best popular film and other changes that the Academy have put forth So, with that said, I will just break the ice, first of all, and ask everyone, let's go around the room, what did everyone watch this week? Katie, let's start off with you.
2: This week, I actually watched uh, a lot of more classic stuff. I watched Barry Lyndon last night. (gasps) Oh, yes! That takes up all of my thoughts. Everything else I watched this week totally just went away, even no matter how good it was, because that was, like, so amazing.
0: Barry Lyndon is like an all-timer.
2: Yeah, it supplanted every Kubrick. I've ever seen. And that's totally because for me, I love period pieces, just love them to death. And he captured everything that's great about it and managed to skewer it perfectly. And all that money, oh my God, all the money that's on that screen at that time is nuts.
0: Yeah. No, it's definitely a huge epic for sure. And probably my second. Favorite Stanley Kubrick behind 2001 A Space Odyssey for me, I would say.
2: Yeah, I love that one too, but I just I couldn't even. Like, there's so many scenes where it's just perfection, and the moments where he goes between like the Vaseline smeared lens to like the perfect clarity are just, oh, chef's kiss, you know?
0: Mm hmm. Anyone here
3: not seen it? I have not seen it now. <laughs>
2: It's on Filmstruck right now, so you guys can watch it. It is three hours and, like, four minutes, so it's an investment, but... And
1: it it typically tops lists of best shot films of all time. Like, there are many people who consider it to quite literally have the best cinematography of any film in history.
2: Yep, I would agree. I mean, there were scenes where I just had to pause it and just look at it, because it was gorgeous.
0: Rightful Oscar winner for cinematography, might I add.
2: Yes. And that guy, um, I read a couple of articles about it afterwards. And there are people who've talked about how a lot of the shots are groundbreaking because of, you know, all the different aspects that he was able to bring to it. And I was like, I believe that. I can see how. <laughs>
3: All right, Josh Parn, What about you? Uh, well, I've been watching a lot. Uh, if you don't know, I'm actually trying to watch at least one new movie a day for this oh my entire God.
0: year. So, did Barry? Did Barry Lyndon just get added to the list then?
3: Uh, it's been on the list for a while. I actually have a copy of it. I just haven't sat down to watch it yet. Um, but it is on the list of things to see. So, uh, but the last thing I did watch was How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Um yeah, which, if you don't know, it's a movie that I think came out this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It did. got buried. Nobody really went to see it, but it's uh, streaming on Amazon right now. And it's interesting. Uh, it is a total mess, but there's a lot of kind of fun things that go on in the movie. It just doesn't juggle them very well. But if you're sort of into weird John Cameron Mitchell stuff, then, you know, you might get something out of it. I wasn't a huge fan, but it certainly was an interesting movie.
2: Yeah, he wrote the original short and it's good. It's great for him. Like his shorts are always pretty decent, but that one in particular is weird. So I'm interested to see how well they adapted it because it doesn't come across as cinematic when you read it.
3: Yeah, I, I think as a short story, I could imagine it working a lot better than a feature film.
0: Okay, Ryan C. Showers, you're up. So, of course, I watched um,
4: Sharp Objects, the new uh, episode six. Um, um like at least twice. Um I watched I went to see Mamma Mia with my family yesterday, um, on a rewatch, um, for my birthday. And
0: Oh, happy birthday, Ryan.
4: Thank happy you. Birthday. Um, happy birthday. And then but the biggest rewatch of the week for me was I I watched Rachel Vice's um The Whistleblower from two thousand eleven. Oh wow. And I'm kind of like gearing up for um the favorite and I love Rachel Vice and I I sometimes she gets um, pushed aside for other bigger named actresses like Kate Winslet or such, um, and um, I always loved this movie. Uh, and I remember whenever it first came, premiered at a festival back in 2011, she got a lot of buzz for it, and everyone thought she would be a shoe in for a nomination. And then her buzz dissipated, and she disappeared. Then I saw the film, and I'm I'm I, I'm on the the pro side. I I can't believe she wasn't nominated and. It's been five years, and the the film kind of um went into obscurity. Like the Metacritic score isn't even at sixty, which is it which is amazing to me. But um I really got a lot out of the rewatch. It's extremely powerful. and she um kind of took Meryl streep's um, Meryl Streep's personal win away from me. After rewatching it, so
0: she's like one of those actresses I feel with each passing year, she just continuously gets better and better. Oh, yeah, and I'm waiting for the day where the Academy will catch on to that because you know they rewarded her pretty early on back in 2005 with the Constant Gardener, and she's never been really acknowledged since then. But she has always done consistently strong work, and I do feel each and every single year she always has a standout performance here or there that it just doesn't quite catch on. But it's like, damn, is she really good last year with last year with denial and this year with disobedience. And to a certain extent, my cousin Rachel uh, last year as well. I mean, she's she's like the best aspect, I would say, of that movie, at least.
2: I loved her in that one. I saw that one and I love period pieces, like I said. So that one was a delight for me. And yeah. she made it so good
4: absolutely well and i think that the whistleblower is um i think if people if more people discover it in the future um i think it could be become one of the defining feminist um films of this decade
1: okay will uh mainly new releases i saw black Klansmen and i saw the miseducation of cameron post and the wife
0: okay so which one of those three
1: would you say was your favorite can't give a ranking yet. I'm just gonna give little details I liked about each of them. Everyone told me Close was too quiet in the wife to be a major contender for best actress. Who who's saying that? Who said that to you? Because I saw like you, I saw so many tweets about it uh after Tiff last year, and then I you know, I shared that in an Oscar face group we were in, and other people echoed the same thing. Like, yeah, I kept hearing she was too quiet. So She's not. I
0: mean – I mean they don't stay till the third act I guess. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like the the entire last 25 minutes are just nothing but showy Oscar moments. Sony releasing this in August is really going to harm her chances. And I talked to somebody who works there and his impression is that they were a bit taken back by the critical acclaim. They weren't expecting it to – Have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Well, it is very interesting because, you know, to your point, it did premiere at TIFF last year. And it took them a while to get a release going with it. And I can see how they probably thought like, oh, this didn't like capture everyone's attention at TIFF necessarily and like light the world on fire. People must not really care about it. Uh, We'll we'll give it a release, but we're going to just dump it. You know, I, I can kind of get that. Um, and yes, I do admit that the that the extremely high response to it is definitely a little, yeah, I I, I can understand why it's just a little bit of a surprise. I mean, the movie itself is okay, but those two performances by Close and Jonathan Price elevate the film completely.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, you and I have discussed this off air, but I would love to see Price get some attention for this as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it does kind of seem like the random SAG performance that shows up and gets momentum. He's a great British actor who has shown up in films for years and never really gotten the recognition he deserves, and he's so good in this. So, I, 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 I mean, honestly, probably next to the helicopter chase in Mission Impossible, the second most I have been on the edge of my seat this year was the altercation between Close and Price near the film's conclusion just because it's so riveting to see those two actors work and see so much pent-up rage released.
0: Yeah. No, I I completely echo that uh, wholeheartedly. And I hope nothing but the best fit of both of them and their Oscar chances because I think they both are
1: deserving. Uh, As for the other two, Miseducation to Camera Post is good. I kind of felt like it ended abruptly and – like the ending made sense for the plot. I just didn't necessarily feel like the film was ready to reach that ending yet. If, if you know what I mean?
0: No, I do. I mean, I saw it back in Sundance and I, and I definitely remember that. Um, They're trying to tell a segmented, a segmented story, a part of the story of this girl's life. And once that segment of her life is over, it's like, well, we're not going to get a sequel. And it's kind of just left up to the audience to assume where she goes from there basically. And it's like, Like I I can understand what you mean by that. I mean at some point the film has to end and they went with the – an ending that made sense but I guess is a little tad bit unfulfilling.
1: No, no. But like I I get that that ending was going to happen. I'm going to say I didn't buy that that character was ready to make that decision along with those other characters. That didn't oh, okay. feel earned yet to me. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, uh, don't get me wrong. If my friend Zach's listening to this, he's gonna be like, "What did you hate the the Cameron post?" No, I, I really liked it. I think I think it's pretty good.
2: Hi Zach. And I love that you just called him out like that. Just, woof.
1: Um, no, I mean I, I I think it's solid. I think that I'm not usually very impressed by Chloe Grace Moretz.
0: Oh, this time, this time I was.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought that was a good performance. I mean, she's seldom impressed me. Only one who I'm not feeling is Sasha Lane. I really liked her in American Honey, but I think that was just because she was well cast. She just, I'm not feeling her in this or in Hearts Beat Loud. You and I talked about this off air about Sasha Lane. She
0: is not a trained actress. She was plucked from obsc- obscurity. Cast in American Honey, it worked out very, very well. But she, pretty much in each film since then, acts like herself, acts natural, and she reads the lines that are given to her, and she acts out those lines for what, like for what the story and the character calls for. She she does that, but I don't see her. I don't see her talent. Creeping through, like I don't see her elevating it, you know what I mean, or anything uh, along those lines. So, I, I I'm not giving up hope or on her or anything like that. I I think that there's still time left for her to develop into an actress that can show a little bit more range. But yeah, I know I totally understand what you mean by that.
1: And it's weird because she's surrounded by people who are giving strong performances, like John Gallagher Jr. and my mind's going blank, but whoever plays the head of the facility. Jennifer Ely, something like that, yeah. Uh, y- y- yeah, I mean, it just it it was notable to me that she's not really doing it for me. And then obviously, Black Klansman, everyone's talked about a ton. Um, very relevant, enjoyable ride. My only qualm is I would have liked a little more characterization for the two leads, but it's you know it's it's a very solid historical thriller. I will be interested to see where the controversy with Boots Riley goes, if that actually takes off at all.
0: Mm, yeah. So he <laughs> he has been very, very critical of the film and of Spike Lee's portrayal of events. And yeah, it's interesting how that has become a, a thing lately to follow online as, an, as a developing story. Uh, if you guys need to know more information on that, head on over to Boots Riley's Twitter account. It's all right there. <laughs> Um, my guess is
4: that it won't take off. I think this is pretty fringe, and um, I, I don't think I, I no. This is gonna go away. So
0: you you don't even think the adapted nomination could still happen?
4: No, I'm saying that the Boots Riley controversy isn't going to harm Black Klansmen in any in any way, or it's not gonna.
0: If anything, I think it harms uh, Sorry to Bother You more. Yeah,
4: I mean, it's stupid, like, whatever.
0: Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review... The latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also... Give top three lists. Okay, yeah, thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us... Talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our Extra Film Podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father, after
1: all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not ca- how
0: this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go
1: cry at Midnight Special
0: again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I don't buy that. So with all that said, uh, we do have a jam-packed show here today. Like I said, we're continuing our discussion from last week about the uh, Academy's changes towards uh, this new award called Best Popular Film. And I want to read uh, something that was posted in uh, The Hollywood Reporter this week. Albert Berger, representative of the producer's branch on the Board of Governors for Film Organization, has defended the controversial new Popular Film Award, saying that it's really a prize for a movie that audiences were entertained by. So he's on the producer's branch of the Academy's Board of Governors, and he says he is very involved in the Oscar changes. And he's defending the uh, changes as a work in progress, saying that we should wait to hear what the details are. And when we do, we will have new ideas and, perce- and perceptions of this change and that people are definitely maybe a bit overreacting right now. Um, and he, that he doesn't really think that it is a popular film, so to speak. He thinks it's for outstanding entertainment. And he cites some examples of what he means by that. For him, that could mean something like Batman, little miss sunshine, risky business, the Bourne identity, just as everybody has their own definition of entertainment. I think they also have their own definition of art and I think it will ultimately be up to Academy members to figure out exactly how they approach this.
1: I mean, first off what he's saying here makes very little sense because he's basically just saying it's another best picture award. Now, secondly, it is so insulting to all the other best picture winners. Mm -hmm. I was, I was not expecting my tweet to take off the way it did about, oh, yeah, I can't imagine anyone connecting to those cold, inaccessible films like Schindler's List, 12 Years a Slave, Moonlight, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings. Titanic. Titanic. Like, are are they implying, which he, no, he is implying that these films that are nominated and win for best picture do not connect with people?
0: No, I think what it is, is this, I, and I think we see this happen quite a lot. I think what it, I think this is one example of one human being who likes what he likes, has his own top 10 list at the end of the year. And when he sees that the Academy award for best picture of the nominees in that category, don't, they're, they're not exactly his top 10 favorite films of the year. You know, it's like, oh, you know, how could these be considered the best of the year when I didn't think they were the best of the year? And I, I think that's what it, I think that's like what is happening with many people across many different spectrums, because his examples that he listed are for like Little Miss Sunshine and Batman and things like that. It, it's like, how do how do you have Little Miss Sunshine and Batman in the same exact category as a film considered popular, it just all goes back to this idea of what does popular mean? And then if these are the popular films, then what are the films nominated for best picture? Unpopular.
1: But what does that mean? It That's sense. what's offensive. And, and like, what, what is the, what is the point of a popular film? If he's like, yeah, we should throw little miss sunshine in Nebraska. Coincidentally, the two films I produced in the popular film category, those aren't quote unquote popular films. As 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 the way he it, it seems like it was being described, those are just films. You put them in with Best Picture. Like right, so, when you I talk
2: do- about outstanding entertainment. Like to me, you're just saying, you know, big dumb fun that everybody can go and have a good time at. That's that's what it seems like to me. And it's like, well, everybody can have a good time going to see things like Titanic, which is certainly not any of those qualities it's entertaining but that doesn't mean entertainment doesn't just mean something you can check your brain at the door and sit down and watch and ah, cool. you know and i so think that's he, the most frustrating thing to me about his statement so
4: his statement th- does it mean that like films like the shape of water and three billboards and la la land aren't entertaining or aren't are boring like that's the imp- imp- impression i got and that people that.
1: don't connect with them
4: Right, I mean, and that's just ludicrous. I mean, like, and to me, he was saying, like, oh, this is, you know, the Best Picture, not boring, and we're going to have fun. So, but really, are the are the movies that are nominated and win Best Picture, are they boring? I don't think so. Like, I just think it's so stupid and silly and so off the cusp. Like, there was no finesse. There was no thought put into this. This was just an
0: old man talking, like... here, Here's what I think is maybe maybe contributing a little bit to how people feel about the Best Picture nominees. This is just one small little thing. I do feel that films that are released late, like late December, and have a limited release rollout throughout January especially, and these are films that a lot of people have already seen in advance, either from screenings or festivals, And you have a lot of people that don't have access to those sort of things that are always hearing about people talking about these movies. And there's this considerable amount of momentum and hype and buzz that builds up then for months, weeks, whatever it might be. And then the Oscar nominations come out. And, you know, sometimes a film gets these nominations that still half the country has not seen. And then when they finally do see it, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be let down because their expectations are too high, to tell you the truth. Whereas, if they had that earlier access and that uh, ability to see it sooner, maybe they too could get caught up and swept up in uh, the magic of s- discovering it and seeing it for the first time. I-, I think sometimes the release of a film is a detriment to how people perceive the Oscars.
4: Well, Matt, let's just go with this, okay? I, I, have, a- I have a problem with, like, I feel like this discussion about the popular film is being conflated with issues about the um about the Oscar and award show award season process and i mean all these like criticisms are completely valid and i i'm in, i support a lot of the criticism about the the Oscar process and half the country not seeing films before whatever okay but how does having this new category this one category for the other 24 categories at the Oscars. How does that fix the problem?
0: So uh, the way the way I think it fixes the problem is that it, it acknowledges well okay so this is assuming by the way this is assuming that the rules have something to do with budget to box office gross in some form or way or it's just a strict was your domestic gross over $150 million.
4: But wait, now we're now we're now we're going away from release
0: date. So I mean, like, which is it? Like this arguments, like well, that's why like the examples that he gave in the article, uh, the films that were listed, like it didn't help matters at all. Because what I felt like he was implying was he was saying a film like The Shape of Water, which, if you ask some people, some people will say that was a popular film. And if you ask other people, other people will say, well, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. And then there are some people who just downright hated it and or didn't want to watch it. I mean, it's all a matter of perception. And I don't like the fact that he lumped in a small independent film like Little Miss Sunshine in with something like, you know, Risky Business, for example, um, or Batman. Like, because then what's going to end up happening is it like, you know, if you don't restrict it the box office. And you don't have a rule like that where then it's basically the aka the blockbuster award, you're gonna end up with <laughs> because they can overlap in nominees. You're gonna get the same film's nominee for best picture as you are in this freaking category. And I don't know if they realize that.
4: That's why, like I said what I said last week. You know, they should at some point that it should be a part of the rules that you can either can't submit the film for Best Picture or for Best Popular Film. You can't have both.
3: And It just seems to me, like reading that article and his uh, interview, the Academy just still just doesn't know what this category is. I think it is just so fundamentally clear. They have really no clear set of rules as to what they want this category to be other than just to try to get big movies nominated. But that's the only parameter that they really are working with right now.
1: Yeah, and and let's be clear, too, you know, Ryan, you're like, this is just one old man talking. But the article specifies that he was one of the main voices behind making this rule happen. So him sounding absurd and like he doesn't really know what he's talking about. It's even worse. Yeah, because he was one of the key factors in this decision.
2: Well, and right in the article, he says that the announcement came ahead of all the details and just kept thinking, who told you this was a good idea? Because if it's because you need to fire them, like none of this was a good idea. Uh, You you don't announce something like this till you got the details. Like I know you work in the movie industry and like, you know, the thing with film is you want to get the buzz out there as quick as possible and all that. But that's not how you announce something like this without anyone knowing and leaving us all going, well, what are your criteria for this? How is this going to work? Why are you adding this? It's just this little bits and drips of information. And it's like, it seems like such a bad move because while it keeps people talking about, you know, the AMPAS, it's not in a good way. It just makes for fighting and distracts from the actual films that we're all excited to watch and that the Oscars are supposed to be about.
0: So I did a little experiment uh, after last week's episode, And it was partly because of one of these uh, fan questions I received here for last week's show that we didn't get a chance to answer. This one came from Adarsh Rayo at Addy1486. Question for the podcast, what would be your best popular picture winner the last 10 years? So I thought about this and I said to myself, "Okay, let's just assume, right, that The Oscars decided for Best Popular Film to qualify, you need to make at least $150 million domestically by the end of the year, so by December 31st, to qualify uh, for the category. Uh, These were the films I felt like would have been nominated based upon how well they were received critically, did they get any other nominations that year in other categories. Now, mind you had to have crossed $150 million by December 31st. So, for 2008, the nominees are, in my opinion, The Dark Knight, Indiana Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Iron Man, Kung Fu Panda, and WALL-E. Now, my question to you guys is, which which of those films would win? Best popular film, you think?
4: The Dark Knight.
2: Yeah, The Dark Knight. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear, right? Now we go to 2009. Same rules. The nominees I came up with were Avatar, The Blind Side, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Star Trek, and Up. Now, one, two, three of those films were nominated for Best Picture. Avatar, The Blind Side, and Up.
1: Yeah, obviously Avatar wins.
0: And Avatar clearly then ends up winning. Now, has everyone here noticed, like, this is a scenario where, in my opinion... No, it, yeah you might get an embarrassing nominee here or there but there's still like a path for that film that you're not going to reward best picture to but you really really did like maybe you gave it a few Tekka wins there's still like an acknowledgement there and the article um did bring up the first ever uh oscar for best picture a lot of people like to say it went to wings but in reality it also went to um it went to Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. So there were two Best Picture awards that year as a result of which. Uh, Wings re- was named Outstanding Picture and Sunrise received the award for Unique and Artistic Picture. I feel like that is kind of where we are heading. We're just calling it something different. But let's be clear. Like Okay,
4: for instance, in this scenario, Avatar was probably the runner-up for Best Picture. I mean, it won the Golden Globe. There was a lot of buzz behind it. I like it's a really it's it's a consolation prize.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because I'm going to I'm just going to keep continuing because at this point, I just, you know, I think it's fascinating. Uh, 2010. OK, here's here's like the first one where it's like this makes sense, but it's like, oh, God, Alice in Wonderland would have been a nominee. No. Yeah, it would have. It won <sighs> two Oscars.
2: <laughs> I mean, I know. But at the same time, it just hurts. It hurts. That was so one bad. One of my that most movie hated so film
1: all time.
0: Yeah, so it it would have gotten in here. I hate. I, I think Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One, How to Train Your Dragon, Inception, and Toy Story Three.
1: In uh, Toy Story Three, probably. Yeah,
3: yeah I, I would say Inception. 3. I, yeah, I would actually say Inception.
0: I I think I think Toy Story Three. Actually. Toy Story Three would have won animated though. Would yeah, have, I mean, Toy
3: Story, yeah, Toy Story Three already had animated, and you can Inception give that 1-4. to Nolan.
0: Well, you know that's going to be very interesting to find out, like. Somebody, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody brought up the idea of an animated film getting nominated in all three categories, picture, animated, and best popular film. And there, there's an, an opportunity for it to win all three.
2: <laughs> That's that would to What will
1: probably happen is what we're all concerned about is that suddenly that we don't nominate Toy Story 3 for best picture. I'm not going to give my vote to it in best picture. I can give it a... a A mention in these two other categories made specially for it. We don't need to nominate Avatar. We don't need to nominate the Dark Knight. You know, but you know what's
0: really you know what's really scary about that? Then, if you don't nominate it in all three, and you choose to only nominate it in one, you are in effect contributing towards a vote split,
4: and it makes the problem worse. You'll have more artsy, more limited movies in Best Picture, and you know bigger and stupider movies in popular film yeah they're gonna
1: unwittingly turn best picture actually into a category that alienates people yep 2011
0: bridesmaids harry potter and deathly hollows part two the help mission impossible ghost protocol and rise of the planet of the apes
1: i guess the help
2: yeah unfortunately
0: although listen if they had time to campaign this thing I could see a scenario where Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 2 becomes like a reward for the whole franchise. Me too. Sort of
2: yeah, that's like what of the reading. rings.:
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, 2012, The Avengers, Brave, The Dark Knight Rises, The Hunger Games, and Skyfall. Skyfall?
3: Yeah, I think it would be Skyfall. That was probably close to a Best Picture nomination anyway. 2013, Frozen,
0: Gravity, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. Iron Man three and Star Trek Into Darkness. Now here's That's the thing, it's going to be Gravity, just like Avatar, which was probably
4: run, the the run out for Best Picture. Like, and here we go again. Like, exactly.
0: So you're starting to see a trend here, right? Of course. I mean,
3: <laughs> ugh, okay.
0: 2014: Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Gone Girl, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar, and the Lego Movie.
2: Gone Girl. Going out on a limb here.
4: My heart would want Gone Girl, but I wouldn't want Gone Girl winning this award. I want it winning the real best picture. Like, yeah, <laughs> Gone Girl was like, oh, it's like
0: the yeah. I'm I'm done. I really don't know what would win this. To tell you the truth, um, it it was, But isn't it like amazing? Like a scenario where the Lego Movie gets nominated here in Best Popular Film, but it doesn't get nominated in Animated. Let's say because like like that that scenario I said before where if you don't nominate it in both on your ballot and you, and you choose to do one over the other there's a chance it could miss out on one or both cuz the votes aren't united in one place.
1: Well,
4: so can I just raise this point like do you guys think this is a good idea to have a movie like nominated in three different categories? Like I don't I just it makes me my skin crawl. Like why can't like I mean I feel like we're just you know, basking in a
0: movie like uh, I just. Ugh. OK, I'm almost done. 2015 okay. Inside Out Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, Star Wars The Force Awakens and Straight out of Compton.
2: Ooh. I think it would have been Mad Max. I think it came. I think Mad yeah. Max is like the dark night of that year where I think it came close to be to Best Picture, but it just just missed it.
3: See, I think Star Wars. I think it would have been close between Mad Max and Star Wars, but I do think Mad Max probably would have pulled out ahead.
1: By the time voting happened, uh, Star Wars' little, like, burst of rapturous love had kind of dissipated.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been Mad Max. And 2016, Deadpool, The Jungle Book, Moana, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and Zootopia.
3: Oof, what a bad year. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Zootopia, I guess?
0: Yeah, I think it would have been Zootopia, although I have this, like, really, really, really weird feeling. It could have been Deadpool.
2: It would have been a very small selection voting for it, but... Uh,
0: 2017, last year now. Coco, Dunkirk, Get Out, Logan, Star Wars The
3: Last Jedi. Get Out. Yeah, it probably would have been Get Out. But then then I start to wonder if that had happened, would Jordan Peele have won original screenplay?
2: See, I'm going to go I'm going to say that I think Star Wars would have been best popular because I think people would have pushed get out towards best picture. I think there was a lot of expectations that it would have won that. And I think it was a, a quote unquote artsy enough that that's where people would have gravitated for that, especially if Star Wars is on the offering, because that one was such a re, reimagining for the series. I think it would have been popular enough.
0: So now here's my here's the interesting thing about last year. Does Wonder Woman get into Best Popular Film despite getting no uh, no nominations elsewhere? Because the only reason why I have Logan in there over it is because Logan got that adapted screenplay nom. I think it does.
2: I think so, too. I think it was a huge touchstone for a lot of people.
0: But, but, but that goes back to this. Does the Academy then vote on this category with direction f- from the board saying, hey, guys, we want you to, when you're voting on this category, think of it in these terms. Or do you think they're going to just nominate what they want to nominate? I
3: don't know because we don't maybe. know.
2: <laughs> well, what was the budget? No, what were the what was the earnings on them?
0: Oh, all of them. All of them were over one hundred and fifty million dollars domestic gross before December thirty first.
4: Well, part of the part of Wonder Woman's problem was it just didn't fit into a category perfectly last year when, when we were making predictions. So I don't. And but it got a lot of guild support. So I don't think that it was that the Academy disliked Wonder Woman. I think it would have gotten in for this category, no doubt. I mean, th- it was a phenomenon last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it got, what, I PGA, uh, CAS, CDG, ADG. I mean, like, yeah, like, the guilds WGA. WGA, yeah, like, most guilds came to bat for it.
2: Yeah, and I don't think Logan would have gotten in. I don't think Logan had it. Well, the adapted screenplay, totally get that. I, I don't think that it had the popularity for to beat Wonder Woman. It just just didn't. Okay.
0: So we have a couple of uh, other questions uh, pertaining to this matter here that I want to ask you guys. Whit Fessmeyer asks us, what are the odds the Academy steps away or back from this at all? Will the backlash uh, from within be enough? How would they even approach doing so? Uh <sighs> Man, this is a loaded question. I mean, Will, you weren't on last week. I'm really curious to hear what your take is on if the Academy will react to the online backlash at all.
1: Well, I talked to someone who on and off works for the organization. And his impression is that not this year. He personally thinks that if it's horribly received uh, after this year – they may remove it for next year but he is pretty sure that they're going to stick to their guns despite the backlash and stick it out just to try it
4: i agree with will i think that's what's going
0: to happen
2: yep definitely if they don't if it doesn't work out they'll just quietly make it go away
0: i just had a scenario play out of my mind the other day i was thinking about this and i said to myself. What if Black Panther is nominated for Best Popular Film? It's not nominated for Best Picture, but it loses in Best Popular Film to a film that is nominated for Best Picture, but doesn't win Best Picture, and is that runner-up?
4: I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is the Black Panther Award. This is the separate but equal Best Picture Award.
1: Yeah, and and then Black Panther, which I think probably, if they hadn't created this award, would have been nominated for Best Picture, does not get nominated anymore, and that sucks. Like, honestly,
4: the reason why they probably don't have a philosophy written in stone about this category is because they're thinking about Black Panther, getting it nominated, avoiding a controversy, and that's the whole basis for it. But no one's saying it. It's, it's the subtext, but it's the real reason.
2: What do you guys think of the idea that this that if Best Popular Film was solely based on the budget and it, as in like nobody gets to vote for it, it wins as like an honorary award of like you made the most money this year.
1: Oh, God. No. no. But then then like Transformers Revenge of the Fallen or you know th- there's some terrible stuff that could win by and this is about I... merit or quality. This is about right
4: whatever.
2: It just seems like it, <laughs> well, well, heard it you don't that mean... so what
4: it fits into is
2: you made the most money. Yay. Why can't if
4: you just enjoy your cool. bank account? Like I mean That's Exactly. That is the award. When we start drinking at eleven o'clock, Jordan, (laughs) to get through this? Like,
2: didn't you celebrate last night, Ryan?
4: Yeah, I had like four margaritas. I was horrible.
2: Well, it's your birthday and it's the weekend, so you You better get get some
1: hungover brunch.
4: I'm never hungover though. Like, even like I'm just really bad when I'm drunk. Like, I was tweeting last night while I was drunk. It was not good. I deleted (laughs) those tweets this morning.
2: That's the new drunk dialing. Is drunk tweeting.
0: Next question: If the inevitable were to actually happen. What movie so far would be the most deserving of the best popular film award, in your opinion? Not what will win, but what do you think is the most deserving? And the person who set this in was called Film Bastard, and he writes at the end. And why is that film Mission Impossible
1: Fallout? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do think Black Panther, of the quote-unquote popular films this year, is the most deserving I definitely thought it was more compelling than the other Marvel film this year, Infinity War. Um, There is a lot of social relevance to it. But it also, I mean, it it is just a very well-made, well-acted, well-constructed film. I really liked Mission Impossible Fallout, but it doesn't necessarily have the meat to it that Black Panther did.
4: Well, can I ask you guys a question? Everybody just say yes or no. Does Annihilation would Annihilation count as a popular film?
1: No, no. neither in no. budget nor in Box Office Returns. Uh, but 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 then but
0: but then if they renounce rules saying that it's not based on budget and it's all based on what your perception of popular is could you imagine?
1: No, I mean, that's absurd if they try to go
4: that vague. And I've heard some people saying saying about Annihilation, saying, oh, you know, this could be a way to reward films like Annihilation or Blade Runner 2049. Like, neither of those
2: films, you
0: know. The expansion to 10 nominees was supposed to do that. Exactly. Yeah,
2: <sighs> yeah and, Annihilation is much more a best picture to me. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, right, but... It's amazing and it's such a great film, but it would never none of my friends who don't watch movie who aren't into movies even know what that movie is or that it came out unless I told them about it.
0: Here's here's my question to you guys. If there was a straight ten last year, okay? Straight ten and it was under the old voting system. And I I like doing this sometimes because I was talking, I think, to Michael Schwartz about this. I was asked I was like saying to him, I don't think you have the scenario where the same eight and the same nine still carry over with the addition of the one or two. I think that one or two of the eight or nine that films that are nominated for Best Picture actually drop off. Yeah,
1: definitely. Like, extremely loud and incredibly close would not have made under the old system in two thousand eleven if they had kept it voting the way it was. I don't. I don't know that Warhorse would have either.
0: I, and I'm only saying this because I, I then ask myself, like, in what world does The Force Awakens? Or even the Last Jedi uh, get a Best Picture nomination. Underneath that system, does Blade Runner twenty forty nine get in? Like, what? Like, I, I you know last it year all, it
1: would have but... been Wonder Woman, not Blade Runner.
0: Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wonder Woman would get a Best Picture nomination and nothing else.
1: Yeah, I actually think so. As crazy as it sounds, that would that
0: would have been wild. That, that definitely. I
1: mean, they been wild. they they can't. I mean, it it fits the type it had the PGA support and we saw you know in in years in the two years they had a straight 10 how closely the PGA tracked with the ultimate best picture nominees i mean i think yes it would have yeah it's pretty crazy um to answer the twitter question
4: A popular movie that no one's talking about is Ocean's 8, and I would love to see that nominated if this category does go forward.
0: It's a a good call out there, actually. Okay, another question here. This one comes from Richard Houlihan. What Oscar change or special achievement award from the past have you strongly disagreed with? Example, did it bother you when they introduced Best Animated Film in 2001? Do you miss having two original score categories? Do you like... Roger Rabbit do movies like Roger Rabbit deserve their own special Oscars
1: they don't need to score categories I think that was silly in the first place especially because people found ways to kind of fudge what the definition of a comedy score was just as they've done with the Golden Globes And no, I don't mind an animated film Oscar because there was no award already to honor them, which there is a award to honor popular films already. It's called Best Picture.
4: It's because animation is a different technique than narrative film, live action narrative film.
0: You know, this just got me to thinking about how a lot of people incorrectly state sometimes that Toy Story, the first Toy Story film, won an Oscar for best animated feature film not knowing that the award wasn't created yet instead toy story received a special honorary oscar and it makes me then say to myself why are we not just giving like black panther wonder woman you know why are we not just giving these films an honorary oscar as an achievement both for cultural significance And for just being a damn good movie, making a lot of money. Like, why does it have to be a category? You know what I'm saying?
4: Absolutely. I agree with you, Matt, to an extent.
2: I I think because because it would be too political. I think that the politics that wrapped around Black Panther and Wonder Woman to a certain extent are still seen as fairly controversial. That's part of it.
1: There's also something to be said for I wasn't given an award. I won. I beat the competition. You know, it, there there's something to be said about that. Instead of we handed an award to Black Panther, it slaughtered the competitors, you know? Well,
4: they can say <laughs> that if they want, but what's happening essentially is they're handing up an award to Black Panther.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think also an honorary award has the connotation that this is a one-off, that this is a special achievement that you're bestowing right now, but you're not going to do it again later. And I think that the powers that be want this to be a more regular occurrence to reward whatever their definition of a popular movie will be.
0: They should have just called it blockbuster award.
3: They should I mean, have just had the damn thing, but then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean,
0: the, the idea, just the, the use of the word popular, I think is what's driving everybody crazy.
3: Well, that and no definition about what popular is. And let's be clear, they don't know he, uh, that guy.
1: That interview, I guarantee you, he was just kind of pulling something out of his ass. It oh, reminded me. It was. It's like when Trump talks about something that's coming in the future. It's like, yeah, it's it's gonna be the best. We we you know it's when 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 you finally see it, you're gonna understand. This <laughs> wall is gonna be. You know that that's what this is. Like the ever changing definition of a wall. This category is that.
3: We don't you know what it is.
4: Make the Oscars great again, Moga.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. This question comes from A Clay nineteen. Still sticking with the animated feature question. If the Academy had never created the best animated feature category, do you think more animated films would have been nominated for best picture? If so, which ones? In a ten year, maybe.
2: Yeah, in a ten year, but not now. And I think no. It's just not recognized and definitely
0: not when there was five. I mean, we had those years where there were five and beauty and the beast was the only one to ever break through. So there you go. Okay. We're going to move away from this conversation. Unless if anybody else has any final points they want to make.
2: No, (laughs) no, still, still exhausted by the whole changes without explanations thing. Just give us details, please. So we can all, Feel better.
4: (laughs) I brought something up earlier, and it's something that's driving me nuts. Like I don't understand why, why everyone is just okay with giving like one movie three nominations for best picture in some form or another. Like why can't we just why can't one film be nominated in one category and that's where we reward it? If it wins, it wins. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's the end of it.
0: Oh, so you're 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 upset about the idea that it can't overlap, basically?
4: Yes, like, and I mean, like, animated is different because if like, seldom is it that an animated film gets into Best Picture, anyways. But like,
0: like, well, ah. well, well, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but um, a film has to be disqualified uh, to prevent people from actually voting for it in a specific category because if they choose to campaign it, let's say. For best picture that doesn't mean that it stops an oscar voter from still nominating it in another category other than best picture correct it would have to be actually disqualified yeah so campaigning is not going to help i mean like yeah you might get you might get special endorsement from the 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 director or the studio might choose to specifically campaign a film somewhere but voters are going to do what voters want to do at the end of the day
4: but is it, but are you guys, I feel like I'm the only one that's upset about this. Like, like it's a critic's choice, like kind of situation where a film can get four mentions in the best picture race. Like, I just don't understand why that is okay at the most prestigious, you know, celebration in the film industry.
0: I think just a lot of people are upset with the idea that the Oscar for best picture is such an exclusive club And it seems that in order to get into that club, you have to make a specific type of movie. And that's just not the world that we live in today as far as the studio system is concerned. So I do believe that they're just trying to break that that wall down. But I think they're going about it the wrong way, might I add.
2: Yeah, I think it's just like that part of it just makes me more sad. And so it's hard to be so it's hard to be mad about it when there's so much other stuff going on. And because it's like Will said or well confirmed that it's up to the voters. And so to a certain extent, you don't want to take away people's choices in voting how they feel it's appropriate. But at the same time, it's like, well, come on now. We don't need one movie winning all of those awards, like because then it's not representative of the actual quality of the, of the year.
0: No, it's a, it's not an actual prestigious competition at that point. Yeah. It actually devalues it.
3: Yeah. I, it's, and, I mean, as far as the overlap is concerned, I just sort of feel like there's overlap, as you said, with animation. There's overlap with foreign films. So it, it doesn't bother me so much. I'm more concerned just about the category itself, really. But it doesn't overlap that much. Like, there aren't many amours or,
4: you know, ups. There aren't that many.
3: No, but it still is allowed to happen. So the fact that they want an overlap between the popular film and Best Picture, it's like, I get it. I'm not that mad about it because it's justified in other categories.
0: Did everyone else uh, see another tweet that I put out about films that grossed over $100 million at the domestic box office that have been nominated for for Best Picture in the last 10 years? I saw it, yeah. Mm
2: Mm-hmm, I did. Like,
0: who was saying that, the Oscars don't actually reward popular films. And if you are going to stand there and make that claim, I think what they really mean is the Oscars are not rewarding Disney Marvel.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is that the Oscars used to reward movies that did make a ton of money at the box office, but the audience trend has just not been going to see those movies anymore they just the audience wants it's just the audience is into something different now
4: hey everyone i'm aaron
3: and i'm patrick
4: and together we host the feelin film podcast a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit
0: yes sir talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion
4: new episodes drop every monday morning And you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks.
0: You can also find out more about the show at feelingfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. Okay, so our first trailer that we're going to discuss now is a film that will contend for best popular film. Hell, I have no idea. It's a Netflix title, though, so that's going to make it popular to a certain degree. It's a film from Alfonso Cuaron, something to really get excited about the Oscar-winning director for Gravity, and also uh, director of Children of Men. It's his new black-and-white film titled Roma. Let's take a look at a trailer for this one.
3: beautiful.
1: Just oh my god, I was speechless. It's a shame the film doesn't have an actual score because that music sounds lovely.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that is true.
1: Yeah, for those who don't know, it's like No Country for Old man It's completely musicless, by the way. Did you guys notice the sound um the sound
4: editing in that trailer with like the the woman at the beginning like cleaning and like the water and um, I mean the sound just. Kind oh, of,
0: how how could you not? I listened yeah. to it with headphones on, and it was spectacular. Yeah, I mean
1: the, 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 in every interview they keep mentioning that they think it's going to be a big sound film because it doesn't have music. The soundscape is the music. That's why I keep telling people, I'm like, dude, this is this is probably our winner in one of those categories. And everyone's like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not flashy enough. I'm like, it sounds pretty damn flashy. There there's military conflict. Like it could totally... You know, as of twenty sixteen, with the Arrival and Hacksaw winning, we saw that voters sometimes understand the differences between categories. This could definitely win a Sound Oscar.
0: I'm in agreement with you there, will. I actually have it winning Sound Editing at the moment. I I still have The Stars Born winning Sound Mixing now.
1: Yeah, that sounds that sounds believable.
4: So from the trailer, I got a mix. Like I I was reminded of two films. I was reminded of Babel. And Bicycle Thieves. And I'm not sure why, but that's what just kind of came to mind.
0: Bicycle Thieves because it's in black and white. Babel because uh, international foreign film from one of the three amigos. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, it, it, that those that's the um, those are what I
4: was recalled to, I guess. And especially with the, the woman swimming in the ocean for some reason. Uh, it reminded me of Ariana. What, what's her name? was Adriana Grande? Adriana Barraza. Adriana Barraza, yeah.
0: I have to say, the cinematography looks absolutely stunning. And it's very, very clear just from the few shots that we got from this trailer alone that this is definitely a shoe-in for Best Cinematography this
1: year. And the, that, will be, that will be historic. You know, we've never had a director be nominated for cinematography. And yes, unlike Paul Thomas Anderson last year, Cuadron is the sole-credited cinematographer, looks like, and they are going to submit him accordingly.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about the sound here and how the sound is supposed to be like the music that also makes me think about editing and how crucial, like for a film, like Baby Driver, for example, how that film's editing served, uh, like it gave that film a, a beat and that beat and that rhythm was the music of the movie. I wonder if Roma, it won't be as flashy but I think editing will play like a crucial role in creating that illusion for people. So, uh, yeah, uh, basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is an across the board contender everywhere.
4: Um, do you guys think um, Alfonso Cuaron could come out of Roma and the Oscars this year with more um, Academy Awards than Alejandro González Iñárritu?
1: It's possible <laughs> if they love the film. I mean, it could get. Yeah, I mean, like if they really love it. You know, Birdman, they gave him picture director and screenplay. That could happen again. And then he wins cinematography, too. <laughs> and, and editing. He's the editor, too.
0: Yeah, people seem to forget that year of gravity. He won two Oscars for editing and for directing.
1: I mean, absolutely. If this film's a hit, he could demolish Inaritu's record.
0: And then in a few years, Guillermo del Toro's follow-up to The Shape of Water, he just wins like five Oscars that year. And then it's just like the three of them just have all the Oscars in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Okay. Let's now move over to the polls. We have some exciting news this week as one of our polls uh, finished up and we got our new throwback film for September. Okay. So the question was, which September 2018 movie should our next throwback review be influenced by? The choices were The House with a Clock in Its Walls, Life Itself, The Nun, The Old Man and the Gun, and The
1: Predator. It rhymed. The Nun, The Old Man and the Gun. No, which one of those? Like, which one? <laughs> I know it's it's a rhyme, damn it. Um, probably Old Man and the Gun because you could do something Redford. Yeah. I two, agree. although
2: I might want it to be the Predator just because I love those kinds of things. Okay.
0: The Nun received 43 votes. The Predator received 49 votes. The Old Man and the Gun received 92 votes. Mm. Woo! So, I have already made the list, and I just want to put a little asterisk next to this. These are films that cannot have been nominated or won Best Picture. So, no Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, no All the President's Men, no Visting, no Ordinary People. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, I think that this group of nominees that we have here for people to choose for a throwback film review are really solid. They are all tied to The Old Man and the Gun in some way, either through director David Lowery, um, through Robert Redford. So here are the nominees. We have All Is Lost, starring Robert Redford in one of his best on-screen performances. We have a film that premiered at Sundance, a film festival that Robert Redford himself created, directed by David Lowry, and starring Casey Affleck, a ghost story. We have Jeremiah Johnson, once again, one of Robert Redford's iconic screen performances followed up by a film that is a huge nostalgic hit for many people The Natural, Peach Dragon another David Lowery directed film starring Robert Redford and a Robert Redford directorial effort that was not nominated for Best Picture but still has quite a bit of acclaim, A River Runs Through It
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's a very interesting lineup
3: Yeah.
2: it's quite varied Mhm.
0: I don't know, what, what would you guys all prefer to have win?
3: well i mean i love a ghost story that was my favorite movie uh last year but i have to say i would really love another re-examination of pete's dragon i think that is one of those disney movies that got lost in the shuffle that i would really love to talk about again michael's been whispering in your ear
0: <laughs> michael convinced me to go out and buy that film on blu-ray and i did and i didn't think it was all that to tell you the truth well, but maybe you're right there, uh, Josh. Maybe it deserves re-examination.
3: I mean, that was a movie that I had very low expectations going into it and was pleasantly surprised by it. Will, do you have
0: a
1: preference?
3: Um, maybe All is Lost. Katie?
2: I think I'd go with the classic, A River Runs Through It. I'd love to watch that one again. I haven't seen it since I was really young.
0: Ryan? All is Lost. Okay. Well, that poll will be up on nextbestpicture.com for everyone to choose from. So by all means, head on over. All right. Now, next up for our next poll. Last week, for Crazy Rich Asians, we asked everybody, which is your favorite romantic comedy of the decade so far? Lots, 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 lots of votes for this one, people. We had over 200 votes. So I want to thank everybody for that. First time I'm seeing the results. And okay. All right, interesting. Choices were About Time, The Big Sick, Midnight in Paris, Crazy Stupid Love, Easy A, Enough Said, the five-year engagement, Love Simon, Obvious Child, Silver Linings Playbook, The Spectacular Now, Top Five, Trainwreck, Warm Bodies, and there was a ride-in option. Parm preference and predicted winner.
3: Uh, my preference would be Obvious Child. The predicted winner, predicted winner, Big Sick.
0: Okay, Katie.
2: Um, preference for uh, me would be uh the Big Sick. Um. <sighs> And I'm going to guess that that's the one that won.
4: Ryan. Uh, my preference is several Playbook. And um, I predict that the Big Sick will beat it.
0: Will? Uh, the Big Sick's going to win. Okay. And the vote results are in. And the top five are in fifth place with 19 votes, Midnight in Paris. In fourth place with 24 votes, About Time. In third place, with 30 votes, Crazy Stupid Love. In second place, with 31 votes, is The Big Sick. And in first <gasps> place, with 41 Silver votes, line- Silver Linings <laughs> Playbook.
4: Oh my god, that just made my day. <laughs> See, I uh. Matt, Matt made a comment last week that I'm a defeatist when it comes to um, David O'Russell's films. So, And rarely does anybody like David O'Russell outside of me, so this is just like validation
1: well everybody liked silver linings playbook that's the only one that doesn't see you know that's the only one that seems gets consistent praise i i never really saw the backlash against that one the way there was against hustle or just everyone hating it from the start like joy well for this
0: week's poll this one is pertaining to the happy time murders, and the question is which is your favorite movie or franchise that features puppets and this could mean puppets in a literal sense. This could mean puppets for behind the scenes to achieve a certain effect or shot. A film that utilized puppets. It's kind of a, you know, ever since the, you know, the invention of CGI, it's a, it's just a dying art form that doesn't get utilized that much anymore. So there's a lot of really nostalgic classic throwback choices here. And the nominees are Lisa, The Beaver, Being John Malkovich, The Dark Crystal, Dead Silence, labyrinth ghostbusters gremlins jurassic park little shop of horrors meet the feebles the muppets puppet master star wars team america world police and there was a write-in option as well josh what is your preference
3: oh it's gotta be little shop of horrors favorite musical of all time all time favorite movie of mine i love it i vote for it all and what do you think's gonna win um, you know what? I'll I'll pull for Labyrinth. I, I think that there's some nostalgia left over for that movie. Katie,
2: well, I'm I'm kind of torn. I love Labyrinth, um, but I think Anomalisa does amazing things with puppets. Like yeah, that was really fantastic. Uh, but I think Labyrinth will win.
4: Ryan, um, my pick would be being John Malkovich. Um, I think Star
1: Wars Star Wars will win. And Will. Yeah, I mean, I think having Star Wars in here is almost a little unfair, uh, but I think that's what will win. What should win is the best puppet movie of all time, which also should have been a best original song nominee Team America World Police.
2: Yeah.
1: Fuck yeah. Gonna save the motherfucking day, yeah. I love that film. I've seen it seven times. It's so funny. It is really funny.
2: It is.
0: Yeah, I, st- I still quote it to this day.
4: You know why Star Wars will win this? Because it's popular.
1: Oh! Oh. (laughs) Popular. We're
0: gonna make you popular.
1: Is this you who's singing so much? I bet you hated singing the show.
0: What happened? Did they have brains or knowledge? Don't make me laugh. They were popular.
1: That wasn't singing, (laughs) right?
0: so by all means everyone head on over to the poll page over at nextbestpicture.com vote on the polls we really appreciate all the support that you lend us there final trailer for this week's episode this is a trailer for a film starring academy award winner mahershala ali and academy award nominee vigo mortensen it is called green book let's take a look at the trailer for this one
1: yeah some guy called over here a doctor he's looking for a driver you interested i am not a medical doctor I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have?
2: Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You in the Deep South? There's gonna be problems. Promise me you're gonna write me a letter. No yeah, problems. Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. You will be
1: interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction Ooh. could use some
2: finessing. Oh, but wh- why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Bailalonga. The Dear Dolores. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come
4: on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket.
2: Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket.
1: This gentleman says that I'm not permitted
2: to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. What are you doing? A letter. May I?
3: Dear Dolores, sometimes you remind me of a house. You know this is pathetic, right?
2: Put this down. The distance between us is breaking my spirit. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I have ever done.
4: P.S. Kiss the kids? That's like clanging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich's a seven. That's good.
2: It's perfect, Tony. Come on, get
3: out, now.
2: You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity.
3: You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I?
0: Anyone can sound like Beethoven.
2: For your music, what you do.
0: Oh, you can do that.
2: What do we do about the bones? We do this. Pick it up, Tony.
3: Squirrels would eat it
0: anyway. Pick it up. All right, so I don't know what to make of this because this looks like your feel-good studio packaged... Film That's going to do well with like mainstream audiences, or at least, you know, we hope it does. And it's like, it's interesting that it's kind of like a reverse driving Miss Daisy in so many different ways. Uh, But the performances from Vigo and Mahershala both look really outstandingly good, Mm -hmm. mostly because I don't see the people. You know, we know Mahershala Ali, we know Viggo Mortensen, and they are acting completely unlike themselves, and these look like two very fully realized characters that they're bringing to the screen here.
3: I think, yeah, I, I think Mahershala looks really good. I'm not completely sold on Viggo Mortensen. I'm, he might be good in the movie, just the trailer didn't really impress me that much, to be honest. It
1: kind of reminded me of, has anyone seen the Key and Peel sketch? where they're playing, like, northeastern <laughs> mafia guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kind of reminded me. He's like, stop being such a When he go in. It, it kind of reminded me of that. I, you know, Vigo is an incredible actor, and I'll see anything with him. He's been nominated twice. He could definitely impress me. But Mahershala was the story here. That scene where he's like, if I'm not white enough, and I'm not black enough, then what am I? I mean, that that was an incredible moment of acting. That screamed Oscar scene right there.
0: 100% agree with you
4: on that. So, and I actually think, um, so I was thinking about this. So, okay, Ryan Gosling is in First Man, okay? Let's just say he kind of like strings along as like a filler nominee, whatever. It like gets like the Golden Globe and SAG, and then his buzz just falls off. I could see a world where Mahershala Ali comes in and like, you know, and sneaks into the Oscar race in place of somebody like him.
0: Well, but the only problem is, I'm under the impression that Mahershala Ali is supporting here.
4: See, the the trailer gave the impression that they were co-leads. I, I think it would be smarter to put him in supporting, obviously, but...
2: I think that Mahershala will go... I think they'll put him for lead. It seemed more about his story that Vigo is experiencing rather than, you know... Being about Vigo's story, discovering this new, this different reality.
0: Oh, so you know, I was under the impression actually that the story starts with Vigo and he gets introduced to Mahershala Ali, and it's really Vigo's life that gets impacted through his meeting with Mahershala. So I thought, I, I through the lens of this trailer, I thought it was Vigo's story, to tell you the truth.
4: I did too. Uh, I mean, but I mean, they can be co-leads. I mean, you said, you said it yourself, driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
2: Did you guys notice that Peter Fairley is directing this?
0: Yeah, Will, you had a lot to say about that, actually.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually working on a piece about this That because I got an argument with someone on Twitter who's like, a Peter Farley movie is never going to get somebody, an Oscar nomination, look at his track record. And we had a long discussion in the group chat about the fact that there's actually a long history of directors, primarily known for comedy, getting Oscar nominations for actors. Um, David Dobkin, who's best known for Wedding Crashers, and Fred Claus got Robert Duvall one for The Judge. Billy Crystal got somebody nominated. Ben Stiller got somebody nominated. I wish we had I wish we had Dance and Dan on film here because he had like thirty people he listed, but it's there is a long history of that and just because we don't associate the farley brothers with oscar movies typically doesn't mean it can't happen
2: i think it's for me i saw it and i was like oh that'll be an interesting turn for him to see him turn to drama so very dramatically i think it's as often said but i don't think it's generally understood that you know comedy to me is always much harder to do well And so when comedic actors turn to drama, a lot of times people are surprised at how good they are. Like, you know, John C. riley he's a great example. He's hilarious in every comedic bit he does, but he's also a really fantastic, dramatic actor. And I think the same holds true with directors to a certain extent because they know how to get outrageous reactions out of their actors in one direction, and it makes total sense that they're able to then turn and look at things from a different perspective and still get those good performances out of people.
0: Well said. Um, I do think that there is a world where Viggo Mortensen's performance is considered too over-the-top and too hammy, and the story does become about Mahershala, but I don't... Ah, uh, man. I, I mean, yes, I could see the whole co-lead argument, but I mean, last I checked, we all have... Mahershala going supporting for now until fervent notice is that correct yeah
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I think that's the most likely
0: too. and that's if he goes lead or if if he has
4: the screen time we don't know I mean you know this is just speculation
0: yeah of course absolutely and you know I I think I think repeat nominee here uh, you know he's in that honeymoon period obviously I I think that it's very very likely to happen especially if it happens in supporting again so we got to wait and see I mean who knows you know, it could go either way right now, but I think the potential is definitely there. Like you said, Will, that scene with him in the rain that that's his Oscar clip scene right there. So they were very, very wise to put that in the trailer to get some buzz going about it. Okay, uh, with that said, I have nothing else left uh, for this week. Does anybody else have any uh, little tidbits they want to throw in before we go?
1: Yeah, um, Tony K, who's apparently got a couple of films coming, one of which, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago. He is making the screenplay of a 20-year-long dead screenwriter who may or may not have been murdered. The other thing he's announced is that his new film will have a robot as the lead, an artificially intelligent robot. They're trying to teach acting techniques and are attempting to get SAG eligible. Wait, what, wait. I'm sorry, like <laughs> actors, actors
3: complained
0: when CGI motion capture was going to replace acting. Now we're going to have AI replacing actual people. That what the is fuck? his
1: goal. And he's trying to make sure it gets SAG eligible. And if that
2: happens, then no,
1: they'll try to qual- to get it to qualify for an acting Oscar.
2: That makes no sense. Yeah, that will never happen, ever. I'm just letting no. no. you I mean- know
1: what what Tony K is doing. It read like a Onion headline to me, but he's trying it. That
0: That is the most insane piece of news
1: I've heard all week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, the, that There wasn't honestly that much interesting film news this week, but that is a big one. It's <laughs>
0: I'm I'm bewildered. I'm flabbergasted. That is the perfect note to end this episode on. (laughs) Just complete confusion. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We started with confusion. We're ending with confusion.
2: (laughs) Right. Honestly, I saw that and I I saw something about that and I was like, no, that's ridiculous. What are you even talking about, bro? And then I just kept scrolling because I was like, I'm not even going to give you any of my time with that nonsense (laughs) idea. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, with that said, Ryan C. Showers, where can they find you on the Internet, sir? Um, You can find me at Ryan C. Showers on Twitter. Josh Parham.
3: On Twitter at
0: JR Parham. Katie Schaefer.
2: On Twitter at KT underscore Schaefer.
0: And the marvelous Will Mavity. On Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 104 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher TuneIn, Player FM, and also on Castbox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback, and we also appreciate support. So, if you're feeling supportive, head on over to the Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us, including that throwback review that we were talking about earlier pertaining to The Old Man and the Gun. I can't wait to see what the results of that are going to be. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.